Good evening, and God bless you. I've been looking forward to this, to being here with you. Uh, different reasons. One of the reasons is that I have lots of memories with the church here in Rustburg, Rustburg or Gladys, I'm not sure, um, from my childhood. I have quite a few relatives here, I think. I'm going to say right away that there's a certain level that I'll recognize you, and then there's certain cousins that I might not even know you're my cousins. You know, our lives are all stories. Our lives are all histories that are developing, and I remember playing football with Leon and some of the boys years ago. And life has moved on. And it's all a story of God working in our lives. So I'm looking forward to connecting with the relatives here again, seeing what the God's doing in your life, but more than just the relatives, all of you. Let's just, I'm looking forward to a week of worshiping together and growing together. Um, and maybe a few words before I get into the message. Some people sort of dread revival meetings. Some people are like, oh, I'm afraid of, some people are afraid of them. You know? uh, the Lord might do something I don't want him to do. <laughs> uh, we're sort of afraid. But I'd like to encourage us um, to start the meetings with, I hope most of us here would like to draw closer to God. Just draw closer to him. And as the week goes on, I think we'll see it. It's a wonderful thing to draw closer to God. And the worst thing we can do is try to step away from God, to withdraw from God. So I think this week we can, let's look forward with, the, with anticipation to draw. I'd like to encourage us to take time to open our hearts to God because I'm going to be sharing some things here. The Lord has laid a passage on my heart that I'd like to share this week. Um... I'm not sure how all this is going to develop. We're looking to the Spirit, and if some of you have some input that you'd like think that I should speak about, I'd be glad to hear from you as the week develops. But, um, you know, I'll be sharing here, but what's more important is what I say is what the Holy Spirit does out there. And, I, you know, if we really want to make a closer contact with God, it'll happen. God wants to meet us. And I'd like to encourage us all to open our hearts and to start praying. I know you already have been praying. And just pray, Lord, this week speak to me. And the multiforme, the grace of God, the manifold grace of God. The grace of God is manifold, many colors, many forms, many ways. And he can minister to each heart individually this week. He will this week. We had a week of meetings just two, three weeks ago. And I was praying that the Lord would work in my heart, and he did. It was interesting that one of the main things he spoke to me during that week wasn't even necessarily related specifically by the speaker, but by opening my heart and listening to his word. The Lord ministered to a need in my life that I need to open up and, with him. So I'd like to encourage us this week uh, to do that, to open our hearts. I'd like to encourage us to... I'm not telling you what to do. <laughs> That's not the right thing to do, especially not the first night, tell you what to do. But I would encourage you to spend time in prayer. And I especially feel for the mothers with a lot of children. And uh, that's a lot of work in a week of meetings and you get tired. But even as you're working and bathing a baby or washing dishes or whatever, that we can be praying and say, Lord, speak to me. Lord, minister to the needs that I have in my heart. And God will do that. 
personally to each of our needs. Um, so the most important person this week is not me, for sure. <laughs> it's the Holy Spirit and what God can do in our hearts. And, um, and the prayers, it's a, if we can call this a project or, that the church is doing, and I'm just a servant of yours. We're all praying together. and We maybe have some concerns with certain people in the church. I don't know. I, um, maybe you're concerned about. But if you want the Lord to work, I found out, let him first work in me. Let it start in me. Uh, might not be anything just real dramatic, or, but let the Lord speak to my heart. And as he can speak to the brethren and to the church, and that'll spread out, and he'll bless us this week. So I'd encourage you, uh, if you can, I don't know, simplify your life this week. Don't get a lot of company. If, I, if you're going to invite me out for a meal, thank you. Right away, I'll say thank you. But make it simple. Don't go a lot of bother. I'd rather you make it simple. Don't put a lot of work into it and spend more time in prayer. Let's make it simple. I don't, I don't need a lot of food anyway. <laughs> I've got extra weight. Um, but what I'm saying is if we can this week simplify some things like this and spend more time in meditation in the Word of God, it'll be to our benefit. Uh, and pray for me as we share this week. Let's open our Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 6. <clears throat> the Lord has laid on my heart to do a study of a certain passage here in the Bible this week. Um, I'm not sure how this will develop towards the end of the week. Maybe things will change, but uh, I'm going to start here at least. Uh, and we're going to do a study on 1 Timothy chapter 6, uh, verses... Um, uh, let me see. Let's start here in verse 13 through um, 16. 1 Timothy chapter 6, 13 to 16. <clears throat> And we're going to be going over this passage again and again. And I, let's read it first. It's going to be like a Bible study uh, that, um, to see what God has to tell us in this passage. Maybe I can say this before I read the passage, uh, at least at the beginning of the week. I think we're going to be doing a study on, on God, who God is. Um, I don't know what you're expecting this week. It's something new. Uh, I... I think more than new things, we need old things, the old foundations. And a lot, of our, a lot of our problems are related to not having the foundations clear, and especially on who God is and our concept of God. You know, we live according to our concept of God. We live not by what we say about God, but what I really believe about him. And so this is going to, I'd like to do a study. Let's read here first. First Timothy 6, verse 13. I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, unto the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his time, times he shall show, who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who only hath immortality, dwelling in light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. Now, I read that. That's, that is uh, one sentence. And the word of God and the apostle 
Paul, he can put an awful lot in one sentence. The basic thing he's saying in this sentence is, I give thee charge that thou keep this commandment. That's the basic commandment. That's basically what he's saying in this passage. And uh, I'm not going to spend much time on that part now, toward, toward the latter part of the week I might. But he says, I give thee charge that thou keep the commandment. Then he says, I give thee the charge that thou keep the commandment. How? Without spot and unrebukable. When? Until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. But what I'd like to especially notice this week is, towards the end of the week we'll be looking at the commandment maybe itself. But he says, I give thee this charge in the sight of God and before Christ Jesus. I give you this charge, and basically what he's saying, I command you, I tell you this, and, um, and I'd like to look at this in the sight of God. Now, what does that mean, in the sight of God? Um, God sees us all, you know. But it's like, what does he mean by that? It's like, listen, we're, I, I'm giving you this charge, and God's watching. God's here. You're in his presence. In the presence of God, this is what I'm telling you. And then he goes on to say, and before Christ Jesus. And simply because of, I think, the Lord's leading as far as developing this, the subject, I'm going to wait for the latter part of the week to talk about before Jesus Christ. I'd like to start out with looking at God. The, God. In the sight of God. Um, then he says we should keep this command, but until the appearing of Christ. Uh, and... Um, and at the appearing of Christ, he shall show something. And we're in this, in this world of wickedness and darkness, and the darkness is getting darker, and the things like wickedness are pressing in. And it seems sometimes like light is losing out and darkness is winning. And it seems like the church of Jesus, we're just barely, you know, which is not true, we're triumphant, but, uh, you know, we're, and the darkness is just... But the day is going to come when Jesus returns, when the truth will be revealed. What really is true? And we shall reveal, you have a word here that I have a little hard time pronouncing, but he says, oh, the first one, who is blessed. That day, the, the blessed one is going to be revealed. And we'll speak about that tomorrow. Beautiful. The blessed, who is, what does that mean? That God is blessed. And then potentate. Soberano, it says in Spanish, I like it better, but I'm sorry. Uh, but the, the potentate, king of kings and lord of lords, who hath immortality, dwelling in light. You know, I think as a church of Jesus Christ, we should have these things in our hearts, and we should know them. We should live by them and not wait till he has shows at the end. At the end of the world, he's going to show everyone the kingdoms, and everyone's going to see who God really is, what is true about us and about life and about eternity and what is true that's going to be revealed but for us that should burn in our hearts every day shouldn't it we live by that that's why we're called believers yeah. we're believers because we believe these truths about God that controls in our lives what we believe about God so I'd like to look at these as the Lord leads here in the, through the week, I'd like to look at one, one of these tonight. Tonight I'd like to look at the first one. Um, God who quickeneth all things. You know, the, maybe I'll say this yet before we go on. 
our, our concept of God, how, what I really believe about God will, well, not only about God, the concepts I have, the values I have, the way I think and what I believe is, affects our, it directs our lives. Or let's say it this way. Let's say it from the other side. Uh, the way you live and the way I live shows what my values are and what I believe in God and what I really believe in the value system and what I really believe inside. And I think a lot of our problems uh, as, as believers, myself and the church, and is, is, is we get a little mixed up or we forget certain aspects of the person of God. And I, I think we need, I do at least, and at home we need it more, we need to look more at the character of God. We should be directed by who God is, not only by what he does, but who he is, his person. And that we'll never understand all about God. But the Bible shows us in so many ways, so many things about him. And to know who God is, is um, will direct our lives. And I'd like to uh, look at that. So tonight we're like to look at this first one, he says, who quickeneth all things. What does that mean? God who quickeneth all, all things. What does quickeneth mean? Now, I had studied this in Spanish first, and then I come to English. Quickeneth. Oh, I know what quickeneth means, but I went back to my e-sword on the computer, and oh, what does I knew what it meant, but it means, in Spanish it just it simply says, who gives life to all things. And that's what quickeneth means, to make alive. God is the source of life. Life was created by God, but not only did he, does he produce life, God is life. His very essence, his person, is life. God is life. And what is life? He created anything that's alive. He's a source of life. Anything that's alive and separation from God is death. Because he is life. All life is, comes from him. Um, what is life? Uh, that's a difficult question, maybe. What is life? In natural life, you know, life grows. Anything that grows has life. Another thing, that anything that's alive does, it heals itself. You cut your hand or you cut a plant or you it heal itself. Life heals itself. Life grows. Life reproduces. And... Um, Spiritual life. What is life? But tonight I'd like to just look a little bit about God as the beginning of life and creator of everything. Start with that concept. God is the source. And in the first verse in the Bible, you know, the Genesis, the Bible, the whole the Bible is built on the foundation of Genesis 1, the first three chapters of Genesis, the foundation. And the first verse of the Bible is the foundation for all the rest. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God existed. God is, God was, and God forever will be. We don't understand that. But in the beginning. And what's in the beginning? <laughs> When's the beginning? Before everything was, anything was created, before anything that was made that was made, God is. He is the eternal I am. When Moses asked me, God, who are you? God, him, you know, God asked, uh, Moses asked God, who are you? Because I am. I am the eternal God. In the beginning, before anything else, God was. And then he says, in the beginning, God created heaven and the earth. 
He is the source. He is the creator of everything that, that exists. And we don't even understand what that means. I, at least I, <laughs> you know, everything, what is everything and what all. But God is the source. In the beginning, God created. And in the beginning, when God created, and there's one thing interesting when he created man. This is true of everything, I'm sure. But when he created man, it says that God thought before he created man. When he created man, it doesn't say that about the, the mountains and about the fish and about the birds and about the animals. I'm sure he did. Uh, there's some other passages that imply that. But, but when he was going to make man, it says, and God said. He's thinking, let us make man in our image. And not only that, but all of this, before God created, God thought and God had a purpose. God had the almighty mind of God. He planned and he created everything. And everything that exists that we know of is, this, is created by him. I'm just going to read a few scriptures here. In Genesis 20, verse 11, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them. All that in them is. I have some of these verses written down. You don't have to take time to look it up if you don't want to. But he made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that in them is. If you study that, there's a lot, there's a lot of power in that verse. You know. Have you ever studied about all the life that's in the sea? <laughs> all the fish and algae and algae and so many things. And heaven and in earth, all the birds. I'm a lover of birds. You'll find that out before the week's over. And a lover of nature. And all the... Have you ever... Why in the world did God make so many birds? And so many different kinds of flowers and so many different kinds of plants and so many, so many fruit. Why all this abundant different kinds of fruit? He could have made six and we'd be okay, wouldn't you? Six kinds of fruit, that would be, we'd be all right. But he's such an abundance of creation. He's just, just abundance. Why did he do that? It says something about him that, you know, first it says about the tremendous mind, the wisdom of God and the power of God and everything that exists, all the, and if you study all this, you take time to study the, the birds, the, the, the insects, whoa, insects are big subject, bats, Costa Rica has more than 100 kinds of bats, bats are fascinating little creatures, you study bats, and there's, there's so much, and so many, you get into plant life, what are you boys like, you like plants, or, and there's so much, in it, and an abundance, and everything, you say, just everything, and in the sea, fish, Get in the mineral world and so many things. It's just, wow, what a God. I remember one time I was studying this and I, I mean, I was, I was, I was actually, I was making a study on the first chapters of Genesis with a friend of mine who's a drug addict and trying to help him. And I studied all this and I started, so much, you know, how could one mind, one mind make all this? And in my limited, my limited mind, I'm so small, you know, how could one man, you know, really? How? But then I started, well, you know, it'd be still more impossible to exist without a mind. <laughs> For all that to come into existence without a mind is still more impossible. All it means is there's a great big mind out there. God's got a great big mind. We can even start thinking about how great his mind is. All these things he created. So when he says, in six days... Six days. The Lord God, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is. That's a powerful verse if you stop and think about it. Then Nehemiah 9, 6 says, Thou 
even thou art Lord alone. Thou hast made heaven, the heaven of heavens and all their hosts, the earth and all things that, there, that are therein, the seas and all that is therein. And thou preservest them all, and the host of heaven worshipeth thee. And the hosts of heaven, the angel beings, uh, Spanish says millions of millions of angels, it says in Revelation. Millions of millions. One million, two million, three million, one hundred million, five hundred million. Millions of millions. I think the English says it a little different. But hosts, that's why it says the God of hosts, the Lord of hosts. Even thou art God alone. There's no one that could get close to God. Great, big, wonderful God. Psalms 102.25 says, Of old hast thou laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are work of thy hands. He laid the foundation, and they are work of his hands. The source of everything that exists. In Isaiah 45.12, I have made the earth and created man upon it. I even my hands have stretched out the heavens and all their hosts host have I commanded. You know, this uh, God's incredible. I mean, he's unbelievable. But you know, when you, they used to not know what all's out there, but they, in talking about the heavens, they make these stronger telescopes, and the more they make, the more they find. You know? They used to think that the planets and the stars out there, now they get these telescopes in our galaxy. And I don't know how they measure all that, how the size, but you've heard that, the size of the galaxy. And they get these stronger telescopes, and now they've said, and they say that, I think they say millions of galaxies outside of our galaxy. Whoa! I can almost see God. I don't know if he chuckles or not. I'm going to give him something to think about. You know, just limitless. You know, the bigger the bigger the telescope, the more. Wow! You know, how can, and I, you know, why do you do that? So we worship him. And we remember who he is. And we love him. We serve him. It's just like his wisdom just seems limitless. He just, science will never reach me. <laughs> just an abundance. I stretched out the heavens with my, even with my hands. You know. Then in Acts 17, he says, God Apostle Paul is preaching. He says, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. How in the world could he? Such a great big God. Neither, neither is worshipped with man's hands as though he needeth anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men, for to dwell on the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed, and the bounds of their habitation. And we could spend a lot of time with these details. I'm not going to. But he created man in this great in the world. And then he says that they should seek the Lord. And happily, they might feel after him and find him. And find him. Though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. This is God. God created us, so we find him. Find God. Meet God. It's the most wonderful thing that can happen to a human being. Meet God and know God. Love God. It's humbling to think about this great big God, and yet sometimes we argue with him. <laughs> 
We tend to think he does, doesn't do things right, but God is almighty. He's so wise. And you know, God, when he created everything, there's, there's two verses. In Psalm 136, 5, it says, To him that by wisdom made the heavens. He made the heavens and all the galaxies and all the planets and those distances. And, uh, he made all this by wisdom. I mean, he didn't just... I mean, he, there was wisdom, obviously. You know, life, an example. If you study, and I, I would love to have more time to get into studying this more, but you know, the cells, when Darwin had his ideas, Charles Darwin had his idea about evolution, they could see a cell sort of as a, but they didn't know what all was in a cell. You know, and the more they study the cell, it's about like the, the universe. You study the cells, now you go in and, and how the cells function, the interchange of the proteins and the different minerals, and, and uh, each little cell is so small, you know, each little cell is like a city. And the more they study how this works, and this, about a year ago, this retired uh, professor from L.A., he's in Costa Rica, and he wanted me to read this book about this new idea of evolution and how life developed. And I, I read a little bit because I just started to have something to talk to him about um, I mean, the, he, the idea that the interchange of life within the cell, the way the cells function, and, and he had this funny idea of how uh, you know, life began. and what He didn't have some ideas of what life is, that interchange in the cells and, of oxygen and the, and the minerals and proteins and things. But um, I, tried, I went back and I said, you know, I find it easy to believe in God, in a great big God. A little disappointed. I had prayed for him. And uh, he looked at me, like, oh boy, oh no world, he's believing God. Yeah. I challenged him, I told him, there's another question, another day we were talking, I challenged him to read the Bible, I don't, it sounded like he might, but uh, he just, oh, this, this man believes in the Bible, he, he, he thought it was like foolish that I believe in the Bible. But, but we do believe, because how in the world could you explain the cell, the life, the, 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 the uh, the wonderfulness of the, how the cells operate. And God, all this, there had to be a mind that planned it. You know, even the little, the little things that travel back and forth in the cell. Uh, I'm getting mixed up now about some of the bacteria. Have you heard about some of the, uh, I don't know that much, but just doubled around a little bit. The, the, how the cells, they had these little propeller things, the way they, that's, um, no, that's bacteria, and the way they move, and they have tremendous speeds. These little, 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 you know, you have to get a telescope, I mean, a microscope to look at them. And um, all this just details and plans and wonderful things. And here it says all that was made by the wisdom of God. In other words, he thought about it. He planned it. He, he designed it. He designed it. And then in Proverbs 3.19 it says, The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth. By understanding hath he established the heavens. And when I think of that and I look at all the the tremendous variety and all the things in creation and he made this with wisdom and he thought about it he planned it he designed it and again we just worship him we worship him such a wonderful mighty God now um, God planned everything and created everything the tremendous variety, the power, the greatness of his, his creation. He created with a purpose. He had a purpose for creating us, and he, he had a plan. And his purpose, the purpose he had as creator, determines 
should be the guiding factor of our lives. The, the reason he made us, we should know what that is, and that should guide our lives, to live like he lives. His purpose, to live according to God's purpose, is a blessing. To live in conflict with God's, pur- blessing, uh, God's purpose is to our own harm and our own good. A, that's also a simple way of defining sin. What's within God's purpose and what's against God's purpose? Why did he put us here? What, what are we here for? And um, maybe I'll say this. Um, God's purpose, listen to this. Depends, depends, you might not like this, but think about it. We're going to think about it. God's purpose limits us. Whoa, what? Now, let's, let's tell a little some examples. Uh, let me see. We've got some boys here. You boys like birds? Uh, you like wildlife? I love birds. This is my, I'm funny. I'm like a little kid. I like birds. And I, um, in Costa Rica, we have, you have a lot of pretty birds. In Costa Rica, we have this, this beautiful bird. Have you, have you seen the pictures of the tucan? Some call them tucan. I'm not sure which is right. We always say tucan. The tucan has this big, long beak. Big, long, big, funny-looking bird. And you know, how in the world can this bird fly with this big, long beak? You know, in relation to its size, the bird's about this long, tail's about this long, the big, long beak. And the beak and the, and the tip of the beak is red, and he's got yellow and green and light blue on his big, colorful beak. And it's, wow, what a bird. And then he has a yellow, a yellow bib with a red line right around the edge of the yellow, and then he's black. The rest of him is black. Uh, and right on the bottom of his color, his tail, I think, is red and white on top. It puts red underneath and white on top. Is that around? I think it's white on top and red. <laughs> I'm a little mixed up now. Anyway, the toucan is a wonderful bird. How can he fly with this big, long beak? Well, um, I've had the beak in my hand from a dead bird, and the beak is very, very light. Very light. It's made out like a plastic. It's not plastic. But it's designed with very light thing. And... Um, and so he can fly. Even so, the toucan tends to, when they do fly, they really got to work their wings, and the nose tends to pull them down a little bit, and, they, and when they get to a tree, they'll often fly, and they'll lose altitude, and then when they get to the tree, they'll jump up and branch up again, da, 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 and then they'll try again, and they, but they can fly. Um, but you know, the amazing thing about the toucan is he can, these long beaks, he can grab fruit, and we have like, it's not like your cherries up here with different kinds of fruit like this and have a big seed. And he grabs this fruit at the end of his beak. Hey, now, tell me. You know, he's got the, beak out, the fruit out here at the end of the beak. How's he going to get it back into his throat? You ever thought of that? You know, you've never seen it because you don't have to. How's he going to get the fruit in the back? It's very simple. He just tips his head and opens his mouth and drops it down in his throat. He just drops it down in his throat. But one of the interesting things about Tucan, they can take a fruit like a cherry I'm thinking right now of a guala, what we call guala. Um, I'm not sure what they call them. It's a big seed. And they can swallow the whole thing. You know, they can big seed the fruit. They just swallow it. And he sits there and blinks a little bit. He blinks anyway. But, and then he throws the seed out without the flesh or the fruit on it. There's other birds that do that. Maybe you have birds up here. Boys, you want to... I have never found out how to do that. I have not taken the time. To, you and the boys want to research. So birds, they can swallow a cherry. Like a cherry, they'll swallow a cherry and sit there half a minute, a minute, and they'll throw up just a seed. And the meat's off, you know. 
When I do that, I eat that, those fruit, I take my teeth and work on it a while and work on it and get the fruit off and swallow the fruit and throw out the seed. But he swallows the whole thing, sits there a while and throws the seed out. One time we had a pet and we gave him a, 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 a marble and he swallowed the whole marble. He didn't, he didn't stop to look what he's doing. In a few minutes, the marble comes back up. <laughs> it was not what he wanted. Um, but how do they do that? But what, now, the question is, why does he do that? Why does he throw the, 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 the seeds back out? Because this fruit, the one I'm thinking about, and there's different ones, but the one I'm, has a big seed with a very thin layer of meat around the seed. If he would keep the seed in there, he would be full so soon and wouldn't get much fruit. <laughs> you know what I mean? So he needs to throw the seed back out. If not, he'd be loaded with seed. Yeah. Someone designed that. I have no idea what happens down there. If one of you boys can find out this week and let me know, I'll appreciate it. Uh, there's a mannequin does that, and maybe some of your birds do up here too. I don't know. That they swallow the fruit whole and throw out the seed. Um, but anyway, that's designed. Someone designed that some kind of machine down there that does it. It's not a machine. Um, another thing about a toucan that uh, you can't do, just like any other bird, he can sit on a branch and go to sleep. You couldn't do that, could you? You can maybe balance on a branch, but you can't go to sleep or you'll fall. Why does a toucan, how can a toucan or any bird, they, they grab a hold of the branch and they have a tendon underneath here, it goes around their, what is this down here, not an elbow, not a knee, I'm not sure what they call the bird thing, but then they have this tendon that goes underneath and when he grabs a hold and then sits down, when he squats, then this tendon gets tight and tightens up here. You ever tried picking a bird off of a branch when he squatted? No. You pick him up and then it's come loose. Because he's designed, and he can set, his, set on the branch, squat down, and it'll tighten up so tight he can't fall, and then he can go to sleep. And to get up, he needs to wake up first and then uh, and straighten up his legs, and his loose legs are loose. He can't fly from a sitting position. You know, he needs to do that quickly. You don't even notice it. They do it so fast. So they were designed to sleep on branches. They can just, isn't that wonderful? We can't, you know, you, we can never try sleeping on a branch. There's some other interesting thing about a toucan. I don't know why this. Uh, how does a toucan sleep? A toucan will do that. He'll squat down. And what does he do with a big beak? He picks up his wing and sticks a beak under his wing and puts a wing down over it. Then he does another funny thing. I don't know any other bird that does. He takes his tail and flips it right back up against his head. I don't know why that is, but, um, and you know, a chicken can't do that. A robin could never lay his tail against his head. A duck, much less. Then you know. that's not in the feathers. That's down in the design and the base of the tail. Somehow it's designed that he can take that and throw it all the way up against his head. I'm not sure why God did that. It just make it interesting, I guess. Um, but anyway, a toucan was designed to be a toucan. And when they eat fruit and they live this way and they do things the way God, they're a beautiful bird, beautiful bird. Now what would happen if a toucan would say, I'm tired of being a toucan. I don't want to be a toucan anymore. I want to be a duck. I want to be a duck. And a duck was designed totally different. You know how a duck body is? A duck can lay him on the water. He wouldn't sink. He just he floats. Just, you know, his body is designed in a way sort of long. and He just sits down in the water and then he's got these little feet back there with webs on it, and he can swim. Um, and then when he wants to eat, he's got a different kind of beak. 
He can do it in the out, on outside. He can flip over in the water. You've seen him flip over in the water with the heads down, the tail sticking up. And they're going to have the special beacon. And, and they work like a sieve where they take in the water and sieve, work it out to a sieve to the side. And they keep the little insects, or I'm not sure what all they eat there. And they keep that and swallow that. And, and then go to the one. And that's the way they live. Ducks designed to be ducks. You shoot a duck and the duck still won't, won't sink. Ducks designed to float. And the toucan says, Tired of being a toucan? I want to be a duck. Can you imagine what would happen to a toucan? He doesn't have the oil on his feathers. He's not designed to float. Uh, he can't, you know, feet, he can't swim. His beak. What would happen to a toucan trying to be a duck? He would not live long at all. He couldn't eat. He couldn't. Uh, or, or a hummingbird. Let's say a hummingbird. You know, hummingbirds are designed to be hummingbirds. You know, hummingbirds they have their little feet. That's just a sit. Hummingbirds don't walk. Hummingbirds can't walk. They weren't designed to. They all of these sit on them. They have the same little thing. They can sit down and squat down, and they're holding on. And they have these designs. Well, some have straight beaks, and some have crooked beaks. You don't have as many hummingbirds as we do. Costa Rica has lots of kinds of hummingbirds. Some of them have a long, crooked beak. Some of them have a straight beak. And they're designed for certain flowers. The crooked beak gets nectared out of certain flowers, and the straight beak gets nectared out of other flowers. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, some people don't know this, but hummingbirds eat a lot of insects, along with nectar, because they need the protein. One day I saw this happening, at this, and I saw this hummingbird out there, jing, 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 shooting back and forth and back and forth. And I went to say, what's, this, what's going on here? And I went out there to check, and, and here this, and then I saw he was a, there was like a cloud above a creek. There was a cloud of real small little gnats, and he was catching insects in the air. I went to got a book and studied about that, and sure enough, that's what they do. They catch them. But the, only the ones with the straight beaks, straight beaks can do that. They can catch insects in the air. The ones that have the curved beak, they can't catch them in the air. They're not designed to that, so they have to go to the spider webs and get their insects from other places. Now, a toucan can never be a hummingbird, and a hummingbird can never be a toucan. If they try, they mess up their lives quickly. So, interesting stories about animals, right? About birds. But I'm talking about me, and I'm talking about you. Let's come back to this thing. God's purpose limits us. A toucan is a wonderful bird. Hummingbirds are beautiful. We have beautiful hummingbirds, and you have the ruby-throated at least, and maybe some others, I don't know. They're beautiful little birds. If they live within the framework of God's purpose, if they live the way God planned them to live, they live within that beautiful, wonderful bird, absolutely free, blessed. The two kinds are lovely within God's framework. Within what? So God's purpose limits a toucan to eat only what toucans are supposed to eat? Limits a, the hummingbird to which the insects he eats? Uh, the, duck, the duck can't be a toucan. Imagine a duck trying to be a hummingbird. You know, no way. So God's purpose, God's plan limits each one of them to function within his purpose or his design. You understand that? Boys, you understand that? Think a little bit. You think about it. You know, because if you think of this and understand it, it'll help you a lot. Because with, within the framework of God's purpose, they are limited. They can't just do whatever they want to do. They can't just eat whatever they want to eat. They can't live the way they want to live. They have to work within God's plan. And when they live within God's plan, 
Beautiful, free, wonderful. Uh, sing. Tucans don't have a very pretty song, but uh, they go quack, 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 quack. But that's the way God designed them. That's the way they sing. They enjoy it, I think. <laughs> uh, but anyway, God's purpose. Now, now let's talk about me and let's talk about you. And boys and girls, if we can understand this, freedom is knowing God's purpose and accepting the limitations that his purpose put on us, puts on us. The designer of life, the creator of life, the God who made life, the God who is, who is life. And he creates life in different forms and different ways in nature. And each one in his place. And then he created us. Listen, young people. And older people too. Some people struggle with this all their lives. They fight with it all their lives. With God's design. The limitation that God's design puts on us. You know, some say, oh, you'd never think such foolish things. And some men say, I'd like to have half a dozen wives. Why can't I? The rooster does. There's one rooster and a bunch of chickens. Uh, and a lot of things like that. You know, there's, there, why can't I have one? But you know, God's design, he designed us one man for one woman. I don't know if I'll talk more about that this week or not, but the love between a man and a woman is a beautiful thing, isn't it? Beautiful. But it's a love that's so special. I'm so glad that my wife can be with me this week. That's so special. Because she's so special to me. Our love is unique. Our love is something only between the two of us. We've suffered together. We've cried together. We've prayed together. We've had our disagreements and worked through them. We've had a lot of good times together. We have five children we're raising together. We've done a lot of things together. Our love is a beautiful thing. But you know, as soon, our love between a man and a wife is such that as soon as a, another woman would come in, in, in our lives, or another man, another person comes in there, what happens? I can even just have it. I might have a, another love, another woman in my heart. And remember this, man. I can have a love for another woman in my heart, and my wife doesn't even know about it. Doesn't need to know about it. But your love changes with your own wife. You can't have another woman in your heart and freely love your wife. Why? Because that's the way we were designed. We were designed one man to one wife. And that kind of a relationship is beautiful. And that kind of relationship cannot be shared with two women at a time or two men. Design. So we say, you know, if you really thought and think about it, I don't even want another one. I'm fine with one. <laughs> you know, but some people say, well, that limits me. I'd like to have four. No, we don't even think that. But there's so many things when we, if we can understand that God's purpose sets boundaries, sets limitations, and to live within those boundaries is our freedom. That's what a lot of people don't know. They think freedom is to be able to do what I want to do. The toucan like to go eat um, nectar out of a flower. Toucan could never do that. Yeah. I'd like to be someone else. I'd like to be different. So the, the freedom and the blessing for the toucan and for us is to say, this is the way God designed me. This is the way God planned me. This is the way I want to live. Within his framework, within his purpose, within his laws, within what, what he designed for us. And freedom. Freedom. That's why the world doesn't, is wrong when they, they think that freedom is, I want to do whatever I want to do. I just like to do what I like. Just go out and live for myself. Never works. Never works. A man can never have two wives. Uh, we lived at one time right next to a house. It was so close we could almost hear him. Yeah, we could hear him talk. 
and they raised their voices. And um, one night, she, this lady, she was not married, but she had a man that would come around sometimes. And, but this man had another woman in another town. He had three women, at least three, and one in each town. And one night he came there to come there to this neighbor of ours, and it was sad, and they started having an argument. And he got upset, and he started yelling and yelling. And we were sitting over there in the house, you know. It was been some years ago, but anyway. He was over there yelling at his wife and yelling at his, not his wife, this woman. And he was all upset. And the next thing you know, here comes the lady's father that lived just in another house. And then he comes in, and boy, he starts yelling. He says, get off of this place and never come back in. And all at once, this big man, the one that was upset and yelling at the woman, who had three women, all at once he starts crying like a little boy. We could hear him. Es que tengo muchos problemas. I have so many problems. And he just cried like a little boy. I have so many problems. Well, anyone who has more than one wife has lots of problems. Every single one of them. Because they're not living in God's plan, in God's purpose. And you know, if we can understand this, and we might look at more of this this week, is, is that that is a definition of sin, living outside of God's purpose. And it harms us, and that's why God says, God tells us, you know, don't try to be a duck. Don't try, live this way, because this way is the way I, the purpose I made you. I created you to live this way. And if you live this way, things will go well for you. But if you go in against this and disobey it, he's not just saying that to be hard on us. It's, it's the design he has for us and the way we're supposed to live. So to be, a, to be blessed by God is to accept the limitations of God's purpose. Now, young boys, and I, I'm interested in the young boys here. I'd like to encourage you to stop and think of that. And young, young girls, too, young ladies, too. Older, older boys and girls, too. Some people's lives can change. Radically, most of us, we had to come to that and understand that. Radically change when we understand that. We buck and we fight and we struggle and we blame others and we this and we that. And often we're simply struggling against God's design. <clears throat> to live within God's purpose, God's plan, is our richest joy. It's our fulfillment. To live God's way, live for Him. Remember who He is. He is the Creator of all life. He is life. He took his life. I don't understand this, but he took his life and he, whew, he created life in creation. He pushed the spirit, you know, he breathed into Adam the breath of life. And there's life in us. It's to take into account his character, who he is, and why he made us, and why he put us here. And to live within that, the fullness of life with God. But when we rebel and when we fight and when we struggle and we don't like what he designed, and there's lots of ways of looking at that. It can be the family he placed me in or it can be circumstance. I used to have a hard time with my nose. My nose is too long. It works pretty good now when I want to put my glasses on or something. It's all right. Um, but when I was young, it was, pretty, pretty, it was a problem. My nose was too long and shaped wrong. I don't mind anymore. Um, but, you know, we just accept the way God made us and be what he wanted. I remember the day, not only my nose, there were some other things. I remember one day, for you young people, I remember thinking about the design, the creator. I remember one day laying on my bed, 
well, sort of a milestone in my life. Maybe you don't think it's important. At that day, there was. I remember thinking, if God made me this way, he must have wanted me this way. And if he wants me this way, it's okay. It's okay to be this way. God made me this way. He wanted me this way. And um, so God, the giver of all life, design, the plan, the mind of God. And for us as human beings, and this rest of the week, we'd like to be talking more about God. We need to come back to God. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Recently I've been, this is something that the Lord has been speaking to me recently about, this thing of who God is and what that does to us and how we think about God. This, and this phrase, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. I think I understand a little deeper. Some of the beautiful things about the Bible. You're always finding deeper levels of this. You're nice to think, if I acknowledge God and I take, if I ask him and I pray, God's going to direct my life. And yeah, that's true. But I have to see on a different level. If I acknowledge God, if I take God into my life and I acknowledge him, who he is, his character, who he is, and I, I acknowledge him in the way I live and the way I think, his character directs my life. Acknowledging line gives me direction in life. Who God is directs my life. So, young people and all of us, if we can understand this, you understand why I say it's a wonderful thing to draw closer to God, to draw closer to our Creator, the source of life, come closer to His purpose, to His heart. It's the most wonderful thing a human being can experience. Don't let Satan and the world deceive you that it's wonderful, it's fun, it's big to go out there and do my thing. And go out and have my fun. I, I, like, I like to encourage young people, stop and think. You know what I think? I don't know what you think, Leon. A lot of people don't think much. They just follow the crowd. A lot of people don't stop and think. I like at home, I like to encourage young people to think. And to observe and watch the people who go out there and just do what their flesh wants to do. They go out there and they just live it up. What the world calls it. Watch them. You might think it looks like fun the first six months, but watch him six years, watch him 15 years, 20 years, 13 years. And then watch the people right here in your congregation. Watch the people who follow God's design and watch them for six months, 10 years, 16 years, 30 years, 50 years. Watch them. And then you decide how you want to live. To live by God's design is always a blessing. To draw close to God's ways, to live the way he wants us to live is a blessing. Because he created us, his great big mind. He planned for us and he designed us to live this way. To draw close to him is the most wonderful thing a human being can do. And one of the most foolish things a human being can do is to rebel against God. One of the most foolish things we can do is to rebel against this great big wonderful mind and his design and his plan and I want to have two wives. I think no, no one here would say that. But there's other areas we rebel against him, and we want to do it differently than his way. Um, so, God, he commands us in the sight of God, who gave life to everything. 
in the sight of God. If we just remember, you know, we're in the sight of God all the time. We should live in the presence of God who created and made life, gave life to everything. To draw close to him is the most wonderful experience, and I long to do that more. We all long to draw closer to him. We'll be talking more about that this week. Pray for me as I get rid of the other messages, and I'd like to just, I'd like to encourage the young people, um, invite you back tomorrow. I'm a visitor here, but I'll invite you back tomorrow. Let's keep looking at God. And I, if, if you, if there's someone here or some here tonight that, well, I haven't really planned that in my schedule. I mean, my plans for my life or uh, that God thing, that's off to us. I, I, I'm not really, well, wait a minute, I just I encourage you. If there's anyone that thinks that way or is struggling with some things in your life, I encourage you to come back and between now and tomorrow, start pray about it. Say, Lord, maybe some of you haven't prayed for years. Try it. Say, Lord. I want to know more about you. I want to understand this thing. Lord, give me some light. You just pray that sincerely, and you'll draw close. And he'll, he will draw close to you. So I'd like to this week, and the rest of us too, we never, our human weakness or what, we never, I long for more of God. I long for more of God. I long for him to show me areas where God is not, I don't acknowledge him. You know, the areas we have frustrations and problems. Maybe this is simplifying it too much. Probably some areas we're not acknowledging God the way we should. Not worshiping God the way we should. I'm not bringing God into my life. Just inviting him into my life. And I want to live your purpose. I want to live your, your plan. So I'd like to encourage us at the beginning of the week that we can do that and pray and Seek God and, and young people, boys and girls, let's open our hearts to God. Because there is an enemy of our souls, the Bible says it right, an enemy of our souls who wants to get us to look other ways and think differently. But the most wonderful thing is come back to the Creator. Shall I go ahead and close, Brother Leon? Okay. Okay, let's pray about that. I encourage you to pray tomorrow. Uh, I don't need to know what's going on in your heart. I mean, just, uh, I, but I really, I'm serious. Uh, pray. Say, Lord, speak to me. You know my needs. You know where I am. Wherever we are, I want to get closer. I want to hear. I want to know. I want to open up my heart. And if there's something in your life that shouldn't be there, that needs to be taken care of, one of the most wonderful things you can do is take care of it and get close to God. So I'd like to encourage us to open our hearts this week that God could bless us. Let's stand for a word of prayer.